Hi, and welcome to the sixth episode of Touring the Multiverse. This is the first limited series of the It's a Mimic podcast where I, Dave, lead you... And Adam! ...on a tour of one of the published campaign settings for Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Over the course of this series on Eberron, I'll be breaking down history, lore, settings, populaces, adventures, and player options... ...while I give some quick insights into the unique monster stats that Wizards of the Coast has provided. Today, we're covering Distant Lands. So climb aboard the lightning rail and join me as we look into the steampunky world of high adventure as presented in Eberron, Rising from the Last War. So for what feels like the last, oh, I don't know, month or so, we've been covering the nations of Corvair. Yes. Okay, so let's go beyond that, because there's more to Eberron than just Corvair. Right. There's everywhere else as well, okay? Mm-hmm. Corv there. Yeah, Corv there. Not, yeah. Cor- not Corv here. Yeah. Not Aandair. <laughs> Dargoon, a good job over there. Uh, uh, so the first one that I wanted to deal with today is the other major continent in the northern hemisphere. So kind of on both sides of Corvair, because it's, you know, it's a globe. Sure, yeah, yeah. Eberron is not flat. So the other one is Sarlona. Tens of thousands of years ago, this was kind of like the cradle of human civilization. This is where humans come from. Whereas you've got, you know, like the dragonborn from Kibara and the orcs in the shadow marches and stuff like that. Humans didn't start there. They came over to the New World and... And fucked up the place. Yeah, yeah. As as they do. As is tradition. Um, so, f- the colonists first left uh, uh, Sarlona about 3,000 years ago. And that's kind of when Corvair started becoming more... You can't see my air quotes, but... Civilized. Sarlona was home to, oh, like, over a dozen different human kingdoms. But, of course, as humans do, there was war. And it didn't go well for some... What ended the warring was there was a band of saviors, is what they called themselves, saviors, uh, that were guided by celestial spirits who were given psionic powers. I thought the saviors were guided by Negan. Is that a... That's a walking dead joke. Okay, I'm not quite there. Okay, all right, we'll get to Undying later. Actually, we will. Uh, yeah? Oh, yes, shit, yes. good for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyways, these these these... Humans that were given powers by the celestial spirits, they became what's known as the Inspired. Okay. Okay? Now, the Inspired, they united the remains of the nations into the Empire of Redra. They don't like outsiders, much like the rest of... All of Eberron, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Now, merchants do show up. Uh, They go into one of the the main cities there, but they're only allowed in, like, the foreigner's quarter. Okay, they're not even allowed the whole city. Good God. And when they leave again, they they keep talking about, like, massive monoliths that control dreams. Uh, There's secret police that use psionics to root out dissidents. It's very minority report. Yeah, no, that's cool. I'm into it. That's right. fun. Uh, now, there is only one other nation left on Sarlona that opposes the Empire of Redra, and that is Adar. Uh, now, this is the homeland of the Kalashtar. Okay. So, this is where the Kalashtar kind of come into Eberron. Okay, so, if I understand correctly, they're these inspired, 
which uh, that's the entire kingdom of Redra. Everyone in there is an inspired. No, the inspired are the people that were given the psionic powers from the celestial spirits. They're the ones that kind of put the kingdom together, but not everyone in it is one of them. The Kalistar lack the numbers to fight back, really. They can defend themselves, and they do this quite effectively from their strongholds and fortresses that are essentially monasteries. But the thing is, is that the Kalistar can use psionic magic, I suppose, to hide where they are? Yeah, the Kalistar are very, very much about psionics and mind magic and so on and so forth. So that makes perfect sense to me. In Adar, the home of the Kalistar, they have a lot of cities, but the only one that's really known to anybody is Kashta Keep. Kashta? Kashta? Okay. Uh, now it's the capital of Adar. Now most Adarian, Adaran cities, not Adarian, Adaran cities. Alderaan. Uh, they use, like I said, psychic and, of course, Regu- arcane power. Yeah, regular magic to, to hide themselves. Sure. In Kasta Keep, this is where the Keeper of the Word lives, and he's kind of like the spiritual leader for the Kalashtar. Uh, I mean, the, it's high up in the mountains, and like the city's actually pretty cool. It requires winches and lifts and stuff to get up to it. Oh, okay, yeah, I like that. That's cool. All right, so it's very, very unique. Right, it had um, an eerie feeling. Oh, that eerie, the eerie, the eerie from Game of Thrones, yes. not not just a creepy kind of feeling. To or it. or the lake, or the lake. Yes, yeah, um, not the lake, and it is not superior. God damn it! So I also mentioned that there was the port city that people from Sarlo that weren't from Sarlona were allowed to go. Sure, uh, this city is called Darjin. It is the only legal port of entry for foreigners. Entering the Empire of Redra. You are not even allowed to go a different way. If you go a different way, arrested on site by the secret thought police. Even once you get there, you're only allowed in that one portion of, t- of town, the foreigner quarter. And to get anywhere else, you need to obtain a visa from the Iron Gate. All right. This is like the Office of Foreign Relation. And you need to go to them and you really need to make like a strong, strong case in order to let them in. They're not just going to let you in because... You're looking for your dog, right? Like, yeah. no, 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 they're, they're, you can't, you have to. It's a COVID lockdown. Even worse. Okay. If you can find a way to get in past the Iron Gate, the secret police is coming for you. Like, and I mean, they get in your head. They use dreams. They use psionics. They use psychic powers to kind of bend you to their will. Now, one of the other nations that was on Sarlona that was destroyed when the Inspired took over and became Redra was called Or Kalun. This was considered good that this kingdom did not flourish after the war. They were driven by paranoia and for and the want of power. Their sages studied dark magic and bargained with fiends along with others. What side of the continent are they on then? Are they like wrapped around over by the demon wastes then? Part of it. Okay. Again, it's a big circle, right? So right, part right, of right. it's over there, but part of it isn't. But as well. no, I mean uh, or Kaloon specifically. I'm not entirely sure. It doesn't really get into it in the book. Okay. So when the sages were going through all this dark magic and making deals with fiends, they ended up using that magic to warp their bodies through rituals and pacts. This is what created changelings. Oh. Skulks. Okay. 
and tieflings. Skulks a thing in 5th edition? Yes. Huh. They are in Eberron. Well, alright then. Now, Orkaloon was ultimately kind of consumed by its own paranoia, and this area is now shunned by the rest of Redra. They don't really want to go there, alright? There's dark secrets, ancient treasures, and deadly creatures. It's not somewhere they really feel they need to explore. So it's not populated then. I mean, it is, but it isn't. There are weird things hiding in the shadows, but it's not like there's marketplaces and... No, no, no. Nothing like that. Yeah, okay. This is this has long since been abandoned by civilization altogether. All right, this nation fell, and it fell hard, and now nobody wants to go there. Think of it as the Mornland, only without the fog. Sure, okay. Okay? Yeah. Like, there's there's stuff going on, and let's just leave it over there. This is, what, what do they call it in Game of Thrones? The far, far, far east? Ashai? Is that... Yes. Is this what we're talking about roughly here? No, that was a city full of people. This is not established anymore. Okay. All right. All right. It's just, it's ruins, but there is stuff there. You can go treasure hunting and looking for dark magics and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and you, you'll probably run into big evil fiendy demon devil Well, that's things. what I like to do on the weekends, right? Yeah, me too. I know. I've met your girlfriends, Dave. Which ones? The Girlfriends, Dave. Oh, right. Oh. Sorry. I'm sorry. I mispronounced that. Uh, the Girl Fiends, Dave. Uh, yes, that's actually far more accurate. Yeah. Uh, now, during the last war, Redra offered a lot of aid to the nations of Corvair. Uh, when Karnath uh, had to endure their famine, Redra was sending them supplies to make sure that they were, you know, staying fed. They sent help to Aander. Kabara? I just want to know if they sent Gator aid. Yes. Okay. They did. Yes. In fact, Redran troops still maintain order in the capital of Kabara, which yes. is of course New Throne. Oh uh, yeah. Right. So, um, so like that, they're still present there. Now, when they came over, they also brought another group of people with them, and they're known as the Dreaming Dark. Okay. Okay. This is an order of monks, assassins, warlocks, and other mystical yeah. peoples. Uh, they have arrived in Corvair. Their intent is unknown, but they're there to hunt Kalistar, which, I mean, I suppose that's kind of their intent right there. Yeah. But other things, too. Because, you know, racism. Welcome to Eberron. Right? And but and their their shtick is that they control people through dreams. Sure. Yeah. Which I have a few friends like that. Yikes. They have a dream, and then they must go consult their crystals. Sure. I mean, I've got a friend named Crystal, too. I talk to sometimes when I... Ugh, she's the worst. <sighs> Fine. Fuck you, Crystal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, and that's pretty much all there is to Sarlona. There's, there, there was what was, but it's not anymore. Now we've got Redra, the Kalishtar in Adar, who don't go far. What else can I do with this? Do they go to Mabar? Uh, probably not, but they could. <laughs> and that's the end of Sarlona? Uh, I mean, that's as much as I got out of the, the book looking at it there. I'm sure there's a lot more that you could do. Uh, it's very ambiguous. This isn't where you're supposed. This is a location to visit. This is not where you're going to start. Your you're going to go to. Setting. You're going to go to the distant, creepy city that's fallen, muck about for about a level, and then get back on your ship and leave. Yeah, I mean, it's right in. I think the very first episode. You know, we said that you are starting on the first day of the year, and this is the year. And the years are based on you know YK year of the kingdom of Galifar. Like it's just it's all based to start in Corvair. Sure, this is somewhere where you would go. Not to saying you couldn't do it. Right? Yeah. Now, in addition to Sarlona, you also have the North and South Poles. These are worth noting as well, although not much goes on there. These have nothing to do with Sarlona. These are other distant lands. Yeah, essentially continents of their own. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the North 
is known as Frostfell. Right? Sure. Now, it's thought to be the original home of the dwarves. Uh, some think that there's still a dwarven civilization under all of the ice. Uh, some think They're actually normal-sized people, but, you know, they get cold and they shrink, so... As is tradition. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some others think that it was a verdant realm until the dwarves uncovered the prison of an archfiend who covered their nation in ice. Yeah, okay, cool. Right. I, 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 is there an overlord that's particularly ice-themed? That'd be cool. Uh, well... Th- Modern scholars try to persuade people to not go up there, thinking that they may uncover an overlord, and if they come back, they'll start a new Ice Age. So there's history there, but there's not really anything going on there currently. Yeah. And that's really all there is about the North Pole. The South Pole is known as Everice, and it's actually a little different. It's a little cool. It is common knowledge that this is the home of the Archfey, known as the Queen of Winter. Cool. Okay. She commands an army of winter wolves and knights who are carved from ice. She also lives in a glacial palace. Does she let it go? You won't get that reference because you don't have small children. But Dan and Brad just twitched. Keep going. Good. I want yeah. to see Brad twitch. Convulse, really. Yeah, that would... Stop teasing me. You can gain the Queen of Winter's favor quite easily. Although it's not quite easy. All you have to do is overcome her guards and survive the deadly elements of winter. Oh, is that all? Yeah, if you can like walk in, she'll be like, oh, you so, made it. So if you're cool. Canadian, you're fine. Uh, yeah, more or less. Yeah. Bonus points if you ride in on a moose, eh? Don't go down there with a wethead. God damn. All right. Now, Everice is also home to what remains of the frost giants of Zendrick. Um, they're biding their time. They're plotting their revenge, the giants, of course. And while they're there, they're constantly battling a clan of white dragons who are just kind of there to make sure the frost giants never come back to power. I like that. It's That's a fun little ice war over there. Sure, why not? Yep, it is. Would you say it's a cold war? No. I'm sure it heats up quite regularly. Speaking of dragons, what else do we got? Argonison. Oh, our. Sure, okay. All right. That, I did not mean to segue us, but here we are. Yeah, well, you did. Uh, now, Argonison is the home to the oldest civilization of Eberron, the dragons. Sure. The dragons use a, a different, a more like a more ancient magic. Uh, they use it to shield their homeland from divination magic and from teleportation. If you want to teleport into Argonison, uh-uh, not going to work. you got to actually go there by ship? Pretty much. Now... No one really knows how many dragons there are in Argonison. There's six. Uh, no, there's a hell of a lot more than that. Okay. There's like 11. No, there's... there's Hundreds? Are we talking hundreds? Yeah. A lot more than that even, okay? I'll get into it. There's, All right, there's, okay. Yeah. There's stuff. Um, but it's rumored that there's big cave complexes filled with endless treasures and stuff uh, from lost civilizations that were taken from all around the world. You remember the dragons are the ones that fought the giants of Zendrik. They are the ones that joined with the Celestials to fight back the Overlords. They have been here for so long. It's also rumored, Argonison is rumored to contain prisons holding demons. And it's also rumored to have cities made of adamantine. Oh, cool. Right, which I was thinking, why is it that cities made of a single material are a cool thing? I don't know. But people like to do it. I mean, there have been golden cities and pearly palaces and shit, even in modern time. Or, well, not modern time, in the real world. Yeah, it's so, just, it seems weird to me that there's always the city of brass and adamantine cities. and. Well, uh, a lot of the time, what you're going to have is is the fine detailing 
is the specific material and it's just so rare that now you see it quite a bit um and it just means that it's a sign of of wealth and um extravagance i would say so it's not like every single building in the city of brass is made out of brass that one the city of brass bothered me okay because when i'm thinking the city of brass i'm thinking like down in hell it is down in hell. Okay, right. Well, well, it, well sure. though, it isn't. It's on the plane of fire, but it might as well be. Even better. When I think hell, I think fire. Yeah. What are three things you need to make fire? Fuel, oxygen, and ignition, which ignition is a spark. Brass is a non-sparking metal. Okay, which that's is, why you use it to like work on gas tanks and cars and stuff. Because right, like yeah. when you it doesn't spark, it won't. So why would you have a non-sparking metal in the fireplace? It doesn't make no. It makes sense. It makes perfect sense because that's how mortals live there by not like igniting the atmosphere at every opportunity. But that's no fun. Okay, can we go back to Eberron? Because we're we're over in, in we're walking the plains in Forgotten Realms at the moment. So. Well, yeah, distant lands. <laughs> not not that distant. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, now, like I said, they use an ancient magic. Dragon magic is far more powerful than that of, say, like a wizard from Corvair. As it should be. Now, that is because the dragons have dragon parts to use magic. Dragons are inherently magical, right? Gross. Their wands are made of dragon horns. Yeah. And, like, they use dragon scales for a lot of stuff. Like, it's, they, they use their parts that's, to make better magic. That is so gross. It I, is, but like it makes sense. Yeah. I of. I also can cast a spell with my dragon horn. Yeah, what spell is that? Sleep? <laughs> Enlarge. Confuse. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Vampiric <laughs> touch. Sorry, anyways, anyways. Uh, now, the other reason that they don't know how many dragons there are is because it said that, as you know, dragons can take on human form. Yeah, well, uh, chromatics cannot. Metallics can. Sure. But it's rumored that uh, dragons have taken on human form and have infiltrated the highest of orders in Corvair and are using their influence there to better themselves, make sure the world doesn't go to shit. Yeah, okay. That stacks actually for a lot of the metallic dragons. Their big thing, most of them anyway, is to get involved and keep things going because they consider their horde to be their empire or their business or even the people around them. The bloodlines that they, you know, cultivate around them. So Yeah, well, I mean, they also think that maybe the dragons that are there are uh, stealing the people of Corvair to use in arcane experiments and stuff like that. Well, wouldn't you? No, I would probably use the humans from Sarlona. They seem like a cleaner people. Do they? No, I mean, like, when I look at most of the nations, it's dirty and gritty. When I look at Sarlona, it's, yeah, they've come around a little bit. They're a little more... I don't know, Breland, Undare, they seem to be relatively... Valinar, I bet, is a clean place. Undare is the home to, like, the guys coming in from Drome. Yeah, but they've also got, like, the wizarding colleges and cleansing stones. No, that's a Undare. What did I say? Breland. I, yeah, I said uh, Undare and Breland. Okay, well, Undare... Maybe you're right. They've also got the... But not Breland? No, Breland's more scoundrelly. Okay. Anyways, let's stay with Argonison here. Sure, right? yeah. One of the other rumors about the dragons is that they are they hang around to protect the younger races from hurting themselves, bringing these fiends, these devils, demons, this kind of stuff back again. All right, which is kind of interesting because apparently the dragons of Argonison require protection themselves. From whom? From whom or by whom? Both. From whom, everybody... 
If you're not a dragon, you're not as smart, so stay out of here. We got our own thing. Going. I guess they would need protection. We are the puppet masters. Uh, they would need protection from things like the Dalkir that are still kicking around and the overlords and other shit too. Yeah. Okay. They are protected by tribes of barbarians. Please say halfling barbarians. Please say halfling barbarians. These include... Halfling barbarians. Most humanoid races. Well, I'll take it. All right, so I would imagine that you would have the halfling barbarians over here and the human barbarians over here and the orc barbarians guarding this part. I just absolutely love the idea of the dragon that's, that is like facing this great horror and it just goes, you, you can come at me, but first you have to go through my army. And he just pulls back a wing and there's like 400 halflings with little sticks going, and they just like run forward. Riding dinosaurs. R- riding dinosaurs. Yes, yes. Remember where we are. Right. Uh, now, the, the cool thing about the barbarians is they only really live on the coastlines. They they're, they really are just a outer layer of protection. And of course, because of Argonison's rich history, they've been around for such a long, long time, this is where you're going to find the most amazing artifacts. All right, this is where the good stuff's going to be coming sure, from. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. All right. Uh, and that's really all there is for Argonison. It's just a, it's where the dragons are. You're not going to find a lot of dragons hanging the, around Corvair. The, gonna... There's nothing there about there being dragon councils or like the, there's no dragon society. This is just a continent where the dragons keep a healthy distance from each other. Oh, no, a... there are dragon societies. Oh, yeah? just no, You don't know about them. They're underground or deep in mountains or... Yeah. Are you familiar with the Draconic Prophecy? Did we cover that yet? No. Uh, maybe in passing. The Draconic Prophecy is that the three progenitor dragons will come back and be all angry about stuff? No. Um, the Draconic Prophecy talks about how there's patterns hidden in the world. Uh, and only the most powerful of beings can decipher these patterns. And they will lead to strange prophecy that is only studied by the most wise creatures. Okay? And, like, it will take even a human far past their lifetime to understand one of these prophecies so there could be one of these prophecies like rolled up in scrolls that uh, generations of wizards in one of the the colleges or the universities up in on there like there could be a, a prophecy or two that like entire houses have been working on for generations decades centuries even Yes. So here, straight straight out of the book. Looking at the book right now. Yeah. Secrets lie in the conjunctions of the planes and the moons, in strange symbols formed by the flowing lava of a volcanic eruption or the fissures caused by caused by an earthquake. Carved in the walls of ancient citadels and on primeval megaliths, not patterns appear to have meaning that only the contemplative mind can hope to comprehend. To those who can read them, these myriad events and signs from a map of possible futures, a map. That can be used to shape the course of history. That's okay? that's pretty. This cool. map is the draconic prophecies. You know, you know what makes what that makes me think of is, I mean, you've got dusk hags. They would probably have a little bit of insight into their shit. The great druid, uh, the awakened tree, up in Bolorun. Is that what his name is? I believe so. Um, yeah, up in the Eldian reaches. I feel like he's probably got a little bit of insight. You could go on a whole campaign quest to put this shit together, right? Like, yeah, I had my guys do. There were four modules from Eberron. This was a 3.5 thing. Yeah. And uh, we ended up doing four of these modules that kind of played together. And I ended up inserting the Draconic Prophecy in throughout it. And like... Sure. It's it's just that other thing that just makes you go that extra step, right? It makes you a little more interested. It makes them think that there's something there 
when there really isn't, and I've just kind of planted one line over here that's got them thinking and getting all confused. It's a great fake left and do nothing right. Yeah, I don't know. I would build a whole thing about the puzzle and you slowly piece it together. And I could do an entire campaign. The puzzle is solve the Draconic Prophecy. By level 20, you guys are wise and powerful enough. You, and you'll be able to piece it together. You travel the world to find one line of it in the this destroyed city on Sor, on Sorlona and into the depths of Zendrik and over. You know, you could really dig into it. And of course, there's one in the heartland of the morning. And that's what kicked off the, the, the Mornlands or Sire's destruction of the Mornland. Like, I could really, I could sink my teeth into this. This is... That right there is just a perfect plot hook for me. Yeah, and it's so simple. It's, I think it's on page 15 of the book. Like, the Draconic Prophecy is something that is really a good motivator. Everything else aside, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's what's running in the background until the last little bit of Tier 4. Sure. And yeah. then it comes into the foreground. Yeah. Makes sense? Yeah. So that's Argonison. That's Argonison. Uh, so Zendrik is a, is a continent that I've spent a lot of time in. And I wanted to make sure that this was... I introduced it well, okay? Uh, I've got a good understanding of it, but I know that's a little bit different for 5th edition. I sat there trying to figure out how I'm going to word it for a while. And I can't do it better than they did in the book. Okay. So I just want to read a couple of paragraphs. Sure. Any follower of the Sovereign Host knows this story about Zendrik. In the dawn of time, the Sovereigns bound the fiendish overlords and freed the world from the chaos. The mighty giants had fought alongside the Sovereigns, and in gratitude, Orion, who was that giant dwarf that they made the thing to in the Moror Holds. Yep. Okay. Orion granted them dominion over the continent of Zendrik. Orion taught giants the secrets of wizardry, and they grew powerful. The giants built towers that touched the sky and seemingly endless cities. The mightiest among the giants was the titan Kulsir. His power was so great that he pulled the thirteenth moon from the sky and crushed it in a fit of anger. The giants ruled many lesser races, and eventually the elves rose up against them. Kulsir unleashed plagues upon the rebellious elves. He made assassins of elven shadows and turned them back against their owners. Still, the rebels persisted. In his anger, Kalsir prepared to pull down the rest of the moons to hurl at them, even though he'd destroy the world in doing it. But the giants had gone too far, and Orion set the dragons of Argonison upon them. The dragons destroyed the vast cities and leveled the towers. Kalsir was slain and his people scattered. The Sovereign and the Six, who are kind of like light and dark, each laid a curse upon the land. Orion decreed that the creatures of Zendrik would have no knowledge of law, and Bolderi, who's kind of like his, he's part of the six. Sure. Okay. He proclaimed that no city would stand. The Traveler distorted the land so that no path was, could be followed twice. The Devourer unleashed fire and storm, and so Zendrik remains as a land of mystery, a realm that cannot be mapped, and a place that holds secrets that could shatter the world. I like that. There's a lot there to unpack. Yeah, there is. But, I mean, it's history, right? So, is it true? Is it not? There are a few things that we do know are true, right? The elves were the slaves of the giants. The dragons did destroy the civilizations of Zendrik. Uh, and the terrain is unpredictable. There's glaciers in the middle of deserts. You can't follow the same path twice. Like, you'll, you'll end up somewhere different. Like, it changes. It moves. It's not linear. The whole thing is just organic and and wizardry, unbound and that sounds a lot like uh, like the Moorland. Yeah, but it's more jungly and ancient. All right, like giants still exist. There are still giants in Zendrik. 
this place is just cursed then. It's not that it's, well, maybe the Moorland is cursed too, right? Like, this could just be uh, the flip side of Zendrick, what happened to Zendrick, right? I mean, we know what happened to Zendrick. It was destroyed by the dragons. The, the... Right, but I mean, if dragons have, can look like people and can go in and make sure that nobody is going to unleash the overlords, maybe they unleashed a plague of this this fog. I'm trying to figure out what happened in Sire. And I know there's no answer in the book, but I just keep coming back to that. Is this what happened? Is this what happened? Mentality. Yeah, I know. It's a tough one. It's one that I want to answer in every every time I go to Eberron. Yeah. Oh, I don't know why, but I never get the answer. Yeah. Right. And you know what? I like that. Sure. I'm with you. I just, it, it pisses me off because you fucking know it was just some, some dickhead named Tyler. Just, just blew it up. Yeah. Tyler the Destroyer. Yeah. 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 Not the creator, but the destroyer. True. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, now, giants, though, they weren't the only people from Zendrick. The other people you're going to find on Zendrick are drow. This is where the drow come in. Oh, okay, cool. They are rumored to be those shadow assassins created by Kalsir. Yeah, all right. That have now create, come into their own race. Okay, they're no longer linked to the Underdark. No, and the Underdark's not really a thing here, remember? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, so this is a different flavor of drow. Are they still weirdly matriarchal and all that crazy spider shit? Yeah, I mean, they're going to be wearing scorpion armor. And, you know, they use the weird creatures and, like, they are spidery. Yeah, okay. But, I mean, they don't have Lolth anymore to, to lead them. But they are still kind of themed that way. I don't know what Lolth is. We have so much to teach each other, Dave. This is fantastic. Lolth is the spider goddess that runs the drow and she double crossed Coralon, who was the elven um like all father and he just banished her and her anyone that helped her she's essentially the lucifer figure of the elven pantheon and she went down she was banished um into the abyss and she mucks about with um drow and and dark elves in the underdark and and she's the reason why um the drow are the way that they are with all of their spider theme. She's, she can turn into a spider or a half spider, half goddess or a beautiful goddess and so on and so forth. So, sure. Yeah. So they don't have Lolth. She's not part of the Eberron pantheon. But they would still technically be spider themed and weird and but more jungly themed now, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'd say so. More tarantulas and black widows. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'm into it. Because Zendrik is so ancient, it's got lots of hidden artifacts and relics and so on, uh, there is a high demand for people to go there, mm-hmm. okay? So it does have two port cities. Now, again, the rumors have that when uh, uh, the Sovereign Host and the Six put their curses on, no civilization could rise, uh, and that's kind of why most people think that there aren't cities there now. It's once one gets built, it gets demolished. Well, there are two. Are they going to survive your campaign? That's up to you. Cool. But they're very different in what they do. Uh, the first one is called Dark Hat. Is the other one Dark Dog? No. This was created by the Empire of Redra from Sarlona. Okay. Yeah. Right? This is not open to non-Redrans. If you are not from the Empire of Redra, you are not welcome here, period. It's built from Chris Steel. Chris Steel. So crystal steel, is? do they just meld those two words together? It's grown crystal that is as strong as steel. Sure, why not? Okay. More fantasy nonsense, but I think it's cool. Yeah, there's more of that later coming up. Okay. Um, it's also said that 
Dark Cat is dwarfed by a giant monolith, which is rumored to be their psychic anchor. Right, because Redra and, and the Inspired and all that. Yes. Yeah, I'm with you. Now, the other port city I know that you and I have been to is called Stormreach. I've been to Stormreach. Yeah, that's where we went down that one river, which I think we called the River Sploosh. God damn, I remember that now. Yeah. I had forgotten that, and... That's not what it's actually called, that's just what we called it. We but... called it the River Sploosh. Yeah. yeah. What, what's it actually called? Uh, I don't think it had a name. I didn't. I looked at it in the book and it just was untitled. But Stormreach does have an outpost from all of the dragon-marked houses. They all have a presence in Stormreach. And it's ruled by a council, and they are known as the Stormlords. Uh, Koronu River. Koronu. Yeah. This is kind of where the people looking to escape from Corvair go. When you've got nowhere else left in Corvair to hide, you go to Zender. Wow, because there are lots of places to hide and lots of espionage and whatnot on Corvair. Yeah, this is not a healthy place to raise a family. No, this is this is the worst. Uh, this is Moss Eisley. Yes, and you occasionally get the people from the university going on an expedition to find the you know the MacGuffin out in the jungle somewhere. Sure. Okay. So there's a lot of um, like jungle adventure to be had out in this direction. If Kabara didn't do it for you for jungles, then you're coming over to Zendrick for it. Yeah, but there's like, there's dragon shard mines and stuff like that that you can get to, but you'll never get back again if you leave. It's it's high danger. It's very, very dangerous. Yeah, and again, the world is always changing. The terrain is always changing. It doesn't, it's not static. Now, if you go to Zendrick, I don't think I talked about this to begin with, it's kind of right underneath Corvair. Yeah. Where Corvair's in the, the northern hemisphere, Zendrick is in the lower. Uh, the bottom, the nor- or the southern part of Zendrick is real close to Ever Ice, which is the South Pole. Now, if you kind of go from Zendrick up to the northeast, there is a small set of islands. And they are called Aranal. This is the ancient kingdom of elves. Oh, yeah, because we needed one of those. Every fantasy realm has to have an ancient kingdom of elves. I mean, yeah, but this one is actually really cool and a lot different than I think what you're you're anticipating. It's covered in massive jungles, and this is where you get things like sorewood. Not as in like, ow, my wood hurts. Hold on, wait a minute. As in, let's it- build some airships because it soars. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not when a warforge gets a blister. No. I threw you a bone on that one, Dave. There's also bronze wood. Guess what that is? Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to guess. It's made of brass. No. Oh. It's wood. That's as hard as bronze. Is it hard as bronze or does it look like bronze? Because bronze isn't that hard, man. You can dent bronze relatively easily. Yeah, bronze is a, it's a malleable metal. Yes, exactly. Uh, yes. That's not impressive to me. Although, wood that is malleable like bronze would be pretty cool and useful. Could be. Yeah. It's non-sparking. Wait, it's brass. That's Damn brass. it. <laughs> Hold on, isn't there bronze in brass? I don't know. I just sound like a brass hole now. That's true. You are. Yeah. Uh, but there's also... The other thing about the jungles here is you cut down the trees and they don't necessarily die. Hmm. They can stay alive after they've been felled. Cool. I don't know what you would necessarily do with that. Uh, you would have a living ship. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right? Like like your your ship itself is grown and tended to by an elven captain or druids or like the ship. You have the, the ship keeper of, of sorts that is not a captain necessarily, but it grows the mass. If the mass gets broken, you can regrow it. And things like that. Uh, actually, when you were talking about that, I was thinking about even if you like felled these giant trees, like giant trees, you could hollow them out to make living quarters for a lot of people. 
How big are we talking about with giant trees? I don't know. It's not specific. It just says... Like redwoods? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like big, big, big trees that are, you know, feet across. You know, you could carve in interesting little... Yeah, and I mean, look, you, you've you seen pictures online probably of people that warp trees as they grow to make chairs or they do specific um, like topiary designs or whatnot. As the, as the branches split, they encourage them to split by putting different like metals and plastics and dead pieces of wood in to, to really shape the trees in new interesting artful ways it makes sense that elves would do that would cut down a tree bring it into the center of their city and then as it grows slowly push it and grow rooms off to the sides hollowed out and then just the... our house isn't big enough for our family well dear give it 10 more years and we'll have a second floor we <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Although it's elves, so it's give us another hundred years. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that'd be really cool, like to walk in and the entire village is is grown. The ground is made of wood, and that's when you realize that every building is part of the same organism. Interesting. Okay, I get it now. Makes sense to me. I like it. Now, also, your ten foot pole slowly becomes an eleven foot pole, and then a twelve foot pole as you continue to adventure. I would just throw that in, like, hey, yeah, we bought a ladder. It was made out of this this cool wood that we got. I'm like, yeah, okay. And I would just slowly have that ladder get bigger and bigger. They're going to think it's a math error at first until they realize that, oh, there's weird, like, buds and leaves and shit growing on this ladder as well. And that's really odd. And so you could, you could accidentally, quote unquote, accidentally give them, like, wooden items that would just continue to grow. Give them a quarter staff and it turns into Groot. It turns into a half staff. And then a three-quarter staff? And then a full staff? Yeah. yeah. I'm at full staff right now. That's weird. Stop looking at me. Just talking about Stop it. Stop looking at me. What? 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 Aranol right. is also close to the plains of Irion. Irion? Iran. I want to say Iran, but I know that's no, wrong. No, it's Irion. So it's close to the plains of Irion and Mabar. Now, Irion and Mabar are kind of like the life and death of plains. One is chaos and madness, and the other is light and happy. And We kind of talked that they were uh, Feywild and Shadowfell-ish before, but I think... Which one? Mabar is the evil one, right? Yes. And that's more like the Abyss than it is the Shadowfell. Well, we'll kind of get into what it is in a later episode. Okay. But it's just... It's important to know that it's... It's good Aranol and bad. is close to these two planes. Sure. One is light, one is dark, okay? Yeah. It's thin between worlds here. It is, which makes the line between life and death very blurred. Dark energies creep in from Mabar, which allow the elves of Aranol to perform great feats of uh, necromancy. Cool. Honored dead walk among the living. Heroes who died in battle return to serve their kings. And the death lords of the undying court, who reside deep in the city of the dead... Study the planes and ancient prophecies. Jeebus. Okay, so these are the guys that are going to know a little bit more about draconic prophecy. Necromancy is a pillar of Aranol culture. All right, and this is again where the elves are from. So these are not your typical elves. This is not your typical elven nation. Wasn't there on Corvair? Which one of the which one of the nations had undead armies as well? Karnath. They're up in the north. Are they going to have ties to this somehow? Not specifically but i would imagine that the The, magic of necromancy came from here to begin with sure but not specifically okay the other cool thing about this is that the energy that sustains the undead of aranol is positive energy 
Oh, so they're really happy undead. If elves could be. If elves could be happy. Right? Like, this doesn't. This isn't going to feed off of the negative energy that normal necromancy would. Like, I would imagine Karnath is. Well, interestingly, in 5th edition, the majority of your health, uh, life, healing, resurrection spells are from the necromancy school. So that makes a lot of sense. Necromancy in Dungeons & Dragons is not necessarily death. It is the concept of life and uh, health and and death and withering all wrapped up into one ideal. So that makes that makes a certain amount of sense here. Uh, the City of the Dead. Yeah. All right. It's known in Elvish as Shime or Die. Shime, shime or Die. I guess I'll Shime then. Shame or Die. Shame uh, or Die. Shame or Die. It's Shame or Die. That is Shay. Shay Mordai. It literally is Shay Mordai. It's Shay Mordai. Shay Mordai. Shay Mordai. All right. This is the city of the dead. That's the, the yeah. common way to say it. This is where the Undying Court lives. The Undying Court is sworn to destroy vampires, liches, other undead. Okay, okay cool. And they're the ones that shape the destiny of Aranol. So just to be clear, because I've peeked into the back of the book, this, this Undying Court is not made up of zombies and ghouls and shit. The Undying is their own kind of monster. It's their own kind of undead. So that's why they would hunt down liches and vampires and other things that are considered evil. Yes. The city is built atop a rift to Irion. There's no commerce here. It's really just a memorial to fallen elves and somewhere to study necromancy and other arcane powers. Okay, you go there then for a information fetch quest. Yeah, more or less. You're not going to get into too much else there. Now, the capital of Arenal is Shea Kerdal. Uh, it's kind of the center for the for diplomacy for the isolated elven families. So Arenal is made up of the, all the elven families, and that's just where they kind of meet up and talk things out and make things work. Uh, and foreigners are not necessarily forbidden, but discouraged from going there. This is a place that the elves hold is very dear to them. Uh, now, they also have a port city called Pylas Talaire. Uh, it is the point of contact with the outside world, uh, and most dragon-marked houses have an outpost here. Very basic, straightforward. Uh, and then there's an area of Arenal called the North. How do you pronounce that? The? Yeah. North. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. This, this, where this, is that? Uh, above the rest. Okay, sure. Okay. This is the domain of the Ternadal. These are the elves that went to Corvair and founded Valinar. Okay. All right, these are the warrior elves. All right, so Valinar is descendants of the north. Yeah, if you leave Arenal and go kind of like northwest, you'll hit Valinar. Okay. All right, that's kind of where it is with... Sure, all right. I like that it's called the north, but it's really like around the equator. Yeah, I mean, it's north of the equator. It's the north-ish. The last of the distant lands that I wanted to talk about is Kyber, which, as you know, is the Eberron equivalent of the Underdark. Kyber is also the name of the evil progenitor dragon that is essentially the core of the planet. Essentially. Anytime someone descends below the surface of the world, they enter Kyber. But Kyber comes in two forms. The first one is natural. You know, it's a network of tunnels, sewers... It's dark and dangerous, but it's fairly mundane. Uh, the caves follow the laws of nature. It's home to carrion crawlers, giant beetles, and kobolds. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. You're underground. Yeah, the second one is unnatural. If you go deep enough, there is an endless supply of demiplanes. Oh, like okay. the abyss. 
essentially. This is not your typical Underdark where you can like go from this part to the next part and to the next part and move on. It's not mapped. No, you need to find the gates, and I'm sure the gates shift and move. The demiplanes. Uh, they don't. They're actually pretty stable once they're discovered. They're, they just kind of... Oh, yeah? Up, yeah okay. But they don't all link up. And it's interesting because if you go into one of these demiplanes, say, in the Lazar Principalities, you might get into it, walk for two miles, and then pop out in Zendrick. Okay? So it's not linear at all. It doesn't follow the laws of nature. These are like wormholes. Yeah, I mean, there's portals. Think of it, you got to go through a portal to get into here, but the next portal takes you somewhere else. Yeah. Like, it's not... Sure. It's not like you go in through this portal, and when you go back out again, you go back... Like, you will go back to where you came from, but it might also, once you explore the area, have a portal to somewhere else. There might be multiple ways in. So these things, they can... These portals down into these demiplanes can occur anywhere. Say... Sharn, uh, the city of towers, is building new sewers. They could come across one of these portals that takes them there, or they could be messing over in the Eldine reaches, find a portal, and all of a sudden they're in the abyssal forest of was it Car? I think it's called K H A R. Kyber is the source of monstrosities, fiends, and Delkir. All right, hold on. I got a question. So we know that Thronehold, the actual castle. This is a callback to episode two, but the actual castle of, of Thronehold, the fortress, has been locked down by the guards. No one's allowed in or out. Yeah. Maybe they dug down deep enough in the dungeons that they opened up a portal down to something and they came up. I mean, if you if you remember, that's essentially what happened in the Roarholds. Yeah. Anytime that we don't have access to anywhere else, for whatever reason, or there's a civilization that's fallen, or whatever it is, I'm, I'm thinking, like, repeatedly... Is this, are there gateways in the abyss? Could be. Right? I'm sure the demon wastes have all sorts of gateways. Could be. Right? But I'm thinking even the Mornland, is that where the mist, where the fog is coming from? Is that where, uh, why Thronehold is closed? Is that why, um, what was the, what was the city that fell over in Sarlona? Or Kaloon. Yeah. So that's why Or Kaloon in Sorlona has fallen. Like, I like the idea of there being one consistent reason as well. And maybe it's not the same demi-plane each time, but, you know, don't dig too deep. There's terrors in the depths. Yes, you're right. But I like the idea of being able to take the nine hells, and each one of them is one of these demi-planes. And you're not necessarily working your way down through them physically, but you're over here, and now you're back over here, and now you're over here. And you got to kind of go between one and five, and over to three, and then up to seven, and back down to two, and... Yeah, and if you can map out a passageway that's relatively safe, you could have, like I say, a little wormhole from one spot to another. If I if we crash our airship in Zendrick and find some sort of ancient forgotten city, we could get down into a demiplane and then pop up back on the in Corvair. Or you might be popping up in the middle of one of the adamantine cities on Argonison. Who knows? Right, yeah, but, but my point is that you may not need a ship anymore. As a DM, I'm sitting there going, how can I get different methods of travel around the map relatively quickly? How can I railroad them into doing what I want? Oh my god, that's always the question. The, is, I have a simple answer. You can't. Yeah, go home. Yeah. Now, there's lots of cults. As you know, there's the cults of the dragon below. Yep. Dragon Below, of course, being Kyber. Uh, some of these cults believe that Paradise is within Kyber. But they also think that gibbering mouthers and mind flayers are creatures of beauty. Are they D6s? These Paradise? Awkward silence. <laughs> 
Now, of course, as you can imagine, Kyber is an ever-present threat. The portals are rare. Like, not every mine that you dig into is going to reach down into, into Kyber, right? But wherever these portals do appear, dark powers rise and threaten all of Eberron, right? Like, it is a constant fear. Yeah. I'm sure there's lots of permits that the dwarves need to get. Don't dig here. There could be gas lines. But these cults of the dragon below have big, have strong ties to Kyber. Uh, some of them serve the aberrations that are below. Some fight with, with the Dolgrims and the Dolgaunts, which I think you've already covered. Yeah. And some in, unintentionally cause trouble to the world above. Maybe they release an unnatural disease. Maybe they release a malevolent demon. Maybe they uncover a strange and addictive drug. Cool. All right. And that's like straight out of the book. So I like the idea of them introducing the idea of addictive drugs, which I mean, I, I know exists already, but it's uncommon. You don't yeah. see a lot of it, right? Yeah. Kyber is also home to a lot of strange weapons. I think we covered a little bit in the Roarholds. Uh, the Delkir created symbionts. Yep. Uh, and they're used by the Dwarven clans. You're also going to find like daggers made of chitin from a scorpion, mm-hmm. which is scorpion armor scales, essentially. Sure. But... The items that come out of Kyber may be crafted from, like, standard materials you would find in Corvair or Sarlona, the material plane in Eberron. But they're going to have a more sinister aspect or appearance. So instead of a steel dagger, it'll be a steel dagger, but the metal's black and it's jagged and it just looks a little... It might be intelligent or cursed or something as well. Like, there may be other evil aspects to it. Yeah, it might even just have, like, evil properties... Like, wielding it drains health from you. Sure, yeah. You know, just things like that. It may not all be, you know, ice cream and cha-chas. But it should be. All right, well, does, is that, does that wrap us up on Kyber? Yes. All right, so, what have we covered today? We covered Sarlona, North Pole, South Pole. Um, which one does Santa live on? Okay. Um, Argonison, <laughs> uh what else? Zendrick, Aranol, yep, and Kyber. Yes. Okay, so that was a lot of distant lands for us to go. This is a long episode, but let's grab dice, let's roll initiative, and what's the thing that really inspires you more than anything else uh, from what we've talked about today? What would you throw into a homebrew campaign, remove from Eberron, what are you excited about, just picking up almost wholesale and dropping in something else? Let's roll. I got a 15. I got a 19. All right. Well, you're going first. I already know your answer. What is it? It's Zendrick. No, it isn't. Yeah. Okay. I said before, I've played so much in Zendrick. I've probably spent just as much time there as I have in Corvair. I haven't really played with Sarlona at all. I haven't played with Arnal, the Poles. I played with the Pole or two. I believe that. And I haven't ever gone to Argonison. Now, when we had our campaign in Eberron, that was the goal. We were Yeah, we were going to head there. We were just about to go. Yeah, you guys met the dragon that was going to take you there, but that's where it stopped. Yeah. Honestly, when I when I did my deep dive into this, I think Argonison and Sarlona really stood out to me as just a little bit different i don't remember another place that has something like the inspired i mean psionics is something that you don't do a lot of in D, or i don't personally it's kind of that one aspect of the game that we've always kind of ignored well in 3.5 it was such a massive headache pardon the pun to deal with psionics it was such an afterthought that was added up it's an afterthought in fifth edition too it's a ridiculous kind of i don't know why they just don't add it when they start an edition but they don't and it Changes all the fucking rules and it imbalances shit. At least it did in 3.5. So, generally speaking, we've avoided it. Now that we've got things like the Kalash Star as a playable race, 
it sneaks itself back in. So yeah, but I just I like the idea that I mean there's four continents. Well, I mean there's more than that, but like Yeah, I listed there's, seven. There there's yeah, there's four. Aranal is a continent as well, but I don't tend to think of it as It's like one. the South Pacific is a continent or Central America is a continent, depending on who you ask. No, I mean like it is I am probably just wrong. There are you are pretty more wrong. than four, but like Sarlona it, it just it has its own vibe that you I don't see anywhere else. Uh, you know you got to go through the Iron Gate to get in. You got to justify your reasons. The Dream Police will come for you. But there's also these dream creatures in the Kalash Tar that live in their city that you got to take winches and lifts up to get into in order to try to fight back against. Like there's just it's everything I haven't done in D and D. Okay. Right, and that's what interests me about it. Dragons on Argonison with barbarian tribes. That's some, like, big, deep, classic fantasy stuff right there. But I've done that. Exploring the jungles and the ancient civilizations. Done that. Exploring the common nations of Corvair, that kind of thing. I've done that. I haven't done Sarlona. I want to do that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, I, I like Sarlona well enough, I guess. But I don't know. I've done enough different weird elven city things I, I i like the undying what was the undying court yeah mm-hmm. and i thought that was really neat i'm gonna look into that i know that they're in there in the back of the book so i'm gonna dig into a couple of stats for the undying um in a future episode also there are the quarry which are these you kept saying these celestial dream creatures these are the quarry they're actually aberrations and they're scary as fuck are you sure about that Yes, the quarry are the ones that infect the inspired. Because it says they were guided by celestial spirits and given psionic powers. And in response, they became the inspired. So this actually leads me right into what the inspired are, which is the stat block I wanted to dig into. So bear with me on this, okay? I'm going to try to blow through this relatively quickly. I'm going to read it right out of the book because I'm not going to be able to do it justice here. Um, the rulers of distant Sarlona are known as the Inspired. So it's the rulers, it's the noble families, and they're said to be bound to celestial spirits that guide and empower them. But the truth is far darker. The Inspired are the mortal hosts of the nightmare spirits of Dalcor, and they carry out the foul agenda of the Dreaming Dark. The Dreaming Dark is an evil entity. It's essentially a nightmare god. And the quarry are its, like, servants. Well, the Dreaming Dark is also what has infiltrated Corvair. Yeah, but that's the name of the cult? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but there's actually a god called the Dreaming Dark in the in the Plane of Dreams. Okay. Welcome to the book, to the Eberron book, where you've got to piece shit together bit by bit from all over, right? Yeah, it is. Any humanoid who can dream can volunteer to serve as a quarry vessel, but the inspired are humans bred to be such vessels. They have no choice in this destiny, since they cannot resist quarry possession. Physically, Inspired resemble the Kalashtar, and they possess almost supernatural beauty. Most of the people of the Five Nations have heard of the Inspired Lords of Redra, never realizing that Inspired are spread through, throughout Corvair as well. Beggars and generals, mayors and merchants, might all be secret servants of the Dreaming Dark. Such inspired have to willingly accept quarry possession, but the Dreaming Dark has long experience in weaving dreams that can convince mortals to surrender their bodies. Great. Isn't that fucking dark? Dreaming Dark even? All right, so... Mind freak. (laughs) So here's what we get for a stat block. Medium humanoid, obviously. They're lawful evil. All of the inspired are. 
Their AC is only 12, 15 with mage armor, because they just blend in as regular NPCs. But they have 40 hit points, which is relatively high for a regular person. Their speed is 30 feet, blah blah blah. Their stats are entirely average, except their intelligence is a 16 and their charisma is a 16. These guys are only CR2, but remember, they're everywhere. These are the hidden cult. Um, they are good at deception, insight, and persuasion. Of course they are. They're resistant to psychic damage. They cannot be charmed or frightened, and they speak common and quarry. They have advantage on wisdom saving throws because they have, quote-unquote, a dual mind because there are two creatures in there. Sure. They have a spellcasting ability of uh, intelligence with a spell save DC of 13, and they can cast at will Mage Hand and Vicious Mockery. And then once a day, they can cast each one of these once a day, Charm Person, Dissonant Whispers, Hex, Hold Person, and Mage Armor. So it feels a little warlocky, which makes a lot of sense because they've got this other being living in their freaking brain. They are possessed. They get two crystal dagger attacks, but they can replace one of them with vicious mockery. All right, and that's the city on Zendrik is made out of crystal. Yeah, yeah. The crystal dagger has a plus four to hit for these guys. It, it's a dagger. It's a one d four plus two piercing damage, plus three d six force damage. Ooh. Yep. And then they get the Vicious Mockery cantrip, but the Inspired unleash a string of insults laced with subtle enchantments at one creature it can see within 60 feet. If the target can hear the Inspired, the target must succeed on a DC 13 Wisdom saving throw or take 1d4 Psychic Damage and have disadvantage on the next attack roll that it makes before the end of its next turn. Hmm. So you essentially make it less effective as well. A little bit of damage, but they're not quite as, as deadly. It makes sense. I like this for having a whole bunch of cultists just appear out of nowhere and they all just start hitting you with vicious mockery. The entire party becomes suddenly surrounded by all of these voices as they pull out their crystal daggers and start to approach them slowly. The idea of the dreaming dark just just around the corner. And we'll talk about the quarry in in the next episode, I think. Because the quarry are terrifying and frightening. And one of them is a, is a tier four enemy. And so the fact that these guys, there's a variant for them where they can have a quarry uh, host, like they're a quarry host, and the quarry live inside their body. So you kill an inspired, and then the quarry comes out. And remember, every one of them has one. So while they're CR2, the minimum CR of a quarry is seven. Huh. So these guys are sneaky and terrifying, and that's that's what I love about about this more than anything else. So, and it's funny because as you're reading about Sarlona and whatnot, you don't pick up any of the shit until you get to the monster section, and it's all hiding there in the flavor text. So cool, yeah. Anything else you want to cover before we wrap this one up? Uh, no, I'm good. All right. So before we head back to Sharn to see what Jed is up to, let's. I'm sorry, to Jed is up to let's no no the d is silent the d is silent um let's uh let's wrap this episode up for those of you that don't know this entire series as well as other series on role-playing games are available on the it's a mimic feed on itunes spotify youtube and lots of other podcast apps so don't forget to follow or subscribe on whatever app you're listening to also check out the most recent episodes on www.itsamimic.com and feel free to support us by hitting that donate button thanks for listening to this episode of it's a mimic touring the multiverse you can check us out on instagram and facebook or you can find me at the subreddit r slash it's a mimic until next time i'm dave 
And so am I. And we'll be back with more Eberron information and crazy adventure inspiration next week. But first, let's go see what Jed's up to today. for at least an hour and then you have shits for a week but they're worth it yeah yeah to me dave follow the light fellas follow the light come here hey jed that's going hey look at this thing's fucking bright hey you yeah, kidding what? where'd you get that oh uh, some fucking guy just was walking down at the end of last weekend's market he drops it i picked it up and now uh, you know i'm fucking around with it what what is it what i got right here is an ever bright lantern this thing's going to illuminate your way all the way up to 120 feet ahead of you. For all those without dark vision, probably a pretty good thing to have in your pack. That a really bright light, though, that's only about 60 feet. It's about 50% of the way. That's about it. That's all you get. But you can still see past. No problem. What casts the light? Dragon shards, of course, my man. It's dragon shards. It's always dragon shards. Oh, cool. That makes sense. Dave, that means that you already got what you need for it. Well, it depends. It, it... What kind of dragon shard does it use? Alright, these bad boys, they use the homegrown Eberron dragon shards. I'm pretty sure that's what I gave you, too. That's pretty cool. What, 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 what's it like? Like, is there anything that's kind of close to this? Dave, you seem to have a lot of interest in this lamp, okay? I'll look, how about this? 50 gold and a pound of beans. Some of them beans that you brought me last time. Good? I love lamp. Lamp is yours. I don't need a lamp. What else you got? Alright, alright. Well, by this time, I know you two are on a little bit of a budget, right? So with what I got in store today, I might be able to get a little money out of you. This one right here is up your alley, Dave. You'll never have to worry about wearing the same outfit every day again. This, this is the shift weave, fellas. Five different outfits per suit. A look for all occasions. Oh, it's a suit that changes what it looks like? That's right. All you have to do is put it on. You say it's command word, different than a safe word, and it'll change into one of five options for you. Well, that would suit me well. By Orion's beard, Dave, you're full of it. So what do you say? Uh, I'm not in the mood for a onesie today. Anything else you got? That's more of a fivesie. All right, so look, you guys, uh, you guys know any spellcasters out there? Hucking spells, as the uh, as the kids say. Yeah, I can spell. Great. Can you cast spells, or can you just, you know, the fucking alphabet? Well, uh, you need one to do the other, right? I'm gonna put you in a cast here, bud. Holy shit. All right, let's cut to the chase. Nobody likes hauling their books around from adventure to adventure. And that's where these spell shards come in. See, I'm fucking telling you, everything's shards nowadays. Isn't that right, Dave? Yes. All right, so look, all you got to do with these spell shards, these nice polished little dragon shards of mine here, all you got to do is open your mind to the power of the shard and read and write spell books or any other literature up to 320 fucking pages. Light and small, these things make an excellent alternative to the large, fragile, and bulky-as-fuck books, eh? Yeah, it sounds great. I'd love to shard myself. No, shard the Shard the Oh. But no, for real, these shards, they sound interesting. You say they're just, like, parts of a dragon shard? They're a shard shard? Yeah, it's a shard of a shard. And you, you get it all polished, nice and clean. Bada-bing, bada-boom. Grog's your uncle. You're good to go. Interesting. I can see the use for this. What, uh, what are you looking for, for, for one of these? 
you know, I'm not going to fuck around with you, Dave. We've been talking around the 50 gold, uh, you know, range for these shards, but this one's a little, uh, little bit more pricey, okay? We're going to go, I'm going to ask you here for a uh, hundred gold piece. What do you think? 75. 75 what? Gold pieces? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah, alright, I can do that for you. 75 gold piece, no problem. Alright, I'll make sure to bring you some hot bean juice next time, too. Sounds good to me, fella. Look, I've been craving that bean juice ever since my first fucking trip. What the hell's in that? It's full of evil, you know? Maybe there's something in it called... Caffeined? Caffeined. Oh, jeez. Alright, guys, look, it's been great doing business with you today. Can't wait until you bring the juice next week. But, uh, come on, we gotta keep it moving here, alright? Gotta see some more people before the, uh, the, the moons come up. Thank you very much, Jed. We'll see you next week, I guess. Alright, well, come on by. I'll have some, uh, mechanically useful things for you. Okay, yeah. Seems a little more up my alley. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I look forward to seeing you guys again. Alright, we'll see you later, Jed. Alright, take okay. it easy. Take it easy. From the cliffs of Storm's Reach to the beaches of Kraken Bay, JetX Courier Service has got your parcel on the way. By land, by air, or by sea, customer satisfaction is somewhat guaranteed. Chris Steele sounds like a dude's porn name.